welcome, welcome, welcome. We're back. It's another week. It's another day. It's another day to talk about nerdy things and whatever we're watching this week. Um, Dean, hello. How are you? Hello. I'm good. Yes. Hello, everybody. I'm <laughs> <Yes>. fine. <laughs> Loads to talk about in lockdown. We're just watching TV and not really doing much else. <laughs> mm-hmm. Pretty much. How are you? What did you... Um, what are, What's on the menu today? Uh, on the menu, uh, I think we both agreed on maybe doing what is a slight, I guess a slight Disney Plus roundup in a way, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit uh, of we've a Disney both been Plus checking out. Yeah, we've both been checking out stuff on that platform a little bit, haven't we? Yeah. We're also not going to falter on the Amazon Prime content. It's becoming mm-hmm. a bit of a tradition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we'll do a little bit of a Disney Plus roundup. So um, I think we should just uh, fire away, get into it. Cool. Shall we uh, discuss whatever? What What would you like to discuss first? Uh, let's think. So, what's the big? I guess the biggest player on there that we've both been checking out is One Division, isn't it? Oh, indeed. Um, mm. Yeah, you've been enjoying that yourself and checking that out. Indeed. Uh, what have your thoughts been? I did. Um, I did a. I did a week to week viewing of it as it was coming out, obviously, mm-hmm. and then before the last episode. I did, we, well, myself and my girlfriend did a whole rewatch, all binge, binged all nine episodes, basically just oh, cool. before the, um, well, not not quite. We watched them like the day before and then got into the last episode. Initial thoughts, I really liked it. Um, to sum up, if you don't want to listen to the whole podcast, <laughs> but please do, um, I thought it was one of the most inventive things Marvel have done. And I think it's due to the fact that they're such an established property now that they can really delve into their, you know, extensive source material and pick out the weirdest stuff mm-hmm. and make a bit of a mishmash and you know, also bring in the elements of the, 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 the cinematic universe that they've built as well and, and f- fit it and mould it to that. So I really liked it and I thought it was quite a personal story um, about very real things. Some elements of the very end of just the last kind of 20 minutes or so, I felt went back to kind of standard, you know, CGI fight. But mm-hmm. it didn't um, it didn't overshadow everything that kind of that came with it and and I feel the story at the end really will say came full circle and it was just about Wanda and we'll get into it a little bit as well like I'm gonna talk a little bit about some of the online fan theories that were going on and I feel that may have played with people's expectations a little bit too much but first off what did you think? What did I think? Uh, yeah I um, I feel pretty similar to what you said there i like i loved the visual side of it um i loved all the nods to sort of sitcoms over the years mm. uh and all the little references to i mean there was like a string of things wasn't there you go through all the decades they had like i love lucy and uh they mentioned the dick van dyke show at one stage yeah. don't they and yeah bewitched brady bunch uh, malcolm in the middle that was one that well. yeah. Yeah, yeah modern family that. the office modern family the yeah. office yeah with the camera work and stuff yeah. like that definitely i thought oh, that was all really fun and really well done i really like the way that they did that uh for me the sort of standout was uh what's her name uh the character agnes Catherine han agnes yeah 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 she's fantastic she made it for me. Yeah. I also think that the two of them did a great job as well. Like that, that's the best I've seen them in those roles. As Absolutely. A whole. 
yeah throughout that yeah. every single one of the films like they just uh, outshine that I think in those performances for the show yeah uh, they 100%. both did a really great job I did find though if I had a slight negative side um, yeah for me it was just a case of it felt occasionally some episodes felt a bit samey uh, and I yeah. understand yeah I don't know what you felt about that but I, I get the sense that you need to kind of you need to cover every single decade mm. um, from like the 50s onwards with all the sort of references and stuff. And I understand the need to do that. But because they have to kind of like do an episode that is about a certain side of that decade in television, yeah. like I felt that some of the episodes due to that, they feel a little bit more like filler. And I wanted them yeah. to kind of get to the more interesting like revelations of like the mystery of the plot itself than to just have me again in the sitcom environment and like once you've done that trick once it's it's yep. a fun trick to watch and it's great but once you've established it in a few episodes mm. I didn't feel like there was the need to keep it going as much in in some of them not all of them I felt I definitely felt the same um and I thought by maybe episode four I really wanted to move away from the sitcom and mm -hmm. focus on Wanda's state of mind now so just if anybody doesn't know we probably will get into some spoilers just we've both finished it now it's been yeah. out I'm I'm sure the vast majority of people will have seen it now if you have Disney Plus um, mm -hmm. but basically Wanda is kind of reeling from the loss and the trauma of the movies of uh, of whatever she went through in, in the films um, which we didn't really focus on her all that much in the movies and wasn't all that interested or invested in these two characters but I knew what was what the potential was for this story and there's a couple of books that I will recommend um maybe in a few minutes when when we get into some specifics but I felt the the sitcom was a great little idea and to make something new but I the the more the show went on I wanted to focus a bit less on it and just how Wanda is dealing with this loss, you know, mm -hmm. this unbelievable, like she's depressed. And it's very, I'm quite surprised the kind of themes and the, the, the things that these, that they're kind of starting to deal with now with the Marvel shows. And, mm -hmm. you know, I've watched the first two episodes of the Falcon and Winter Soldier, which I was fully expecting to just be fun, political intrigue, kind of buddy cop things. And it's, it is that. But they're they're dealing with some quite heavy, heavy themes in it. And I'm quite impressed with kind of they're pushing the boundaries out a little bit. And and Wanda Vision was the same with dealing with depression, loss, isolation, and in a weird way, this like meta commentary on de on, on on coping with a fantasy, you know? So we throw ourselves into these fantasies as a coping mechanism. Yeah. And it's exactly why I like these kinds of things because it's the exact same thing. We all watch these things in a way to just get through the day, you know. Yeah, I did. Actually, I did actually call it pretty early on. Um, to be yeah. honest with you, like when when it's like the maybe the second or the third episode. Yeah. Um, I, it did kind of twig with me that I suspected that it was about Wanda kind of using her powers to sort of make almost like a grief bubble to live in. Yeah. Um. And I kind of guessed again, like that it's probably going to be based on her experience of like the television that she might have grew up watching yeah. in, in Russia at the time. Like 
Ameri- the idea of like American culture coming into that culture because yeah. I know that was a really big thing gen- like genuinely with a lot of people in the 80s yeah um, that they experienced a lot of American culture through the television and that was almost exactly. worked as amazing propaganda from the American side of things <laughs> yeah. to actually like in a way win the Cold War without weapons to do it through pop exactly. culture yeah um, and that's why so that we're really also smart. that's why we're also invested in American media as well you know mm-hmm. it, it is it is cool but there, there, yeah, yeah there was a lot of that in it and and just to mention now some of the fan theories, get them out of the way and read online because mm-hmm. I like keeping up with the stuff online and seeing where things are going. And, and obviously I appreciate all the nods to comic storylines and all those drug-fueled 60s comics where, you know, Scarlet and Scarlet Witch and, and Vision were going a bit crazy. But I think some people were disappointed that maybe, oh, the... um. The character that uh, Monica Rambo mentions, oh, I know this aerospace engineer and they're dropping little hints because everybody expects Marvel to drop the hint of what's coming next. Mm. And I liked that they stayed away from that here. You know, they just kept the show about these characters and her especially. Um, mm-hmm. So like, oh, the aerospace engineer, people wanted it to be Reed Richards from the Fantastic Four, which made sense. And I'm not going to lie, in the, in the moment that I realised he wasn't going to maybe get name dropped, I was a little disappointed, but that's c- completely... I would feel like it would have taken us out of the show and taken the shine away from Wanda. Or the use of Evan Peters as Quicksilver from the original yeah, X-Men that, films. that was a smart nod. I liked that. Um, people were now were, were losing their minds about, right, it's it's totally the multiverse now. Now it's all the same, <laughs> whatever, you know, which I think they could still absolutely do because it's leading into the next Doctor Strange film, which is Multiverse of Madness. So I think they still have that door open. But I just love that little nod. It's just a little cheeky wink to fans um, that we, oh, we can play with these things now. We have new toys in the playground. It's It's fun, you know. But I do, from reading reactions online, people were actually quite disappointed in the finale because they didn't bring in these things. And I feel like there's an element of the kind of pop culture fandom now that just they want to be fed what they want. Do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And it's the same with Star Wars. It's why there's such a negative reaction to Star Wars. Now, I'll agree, those movies were not good, but... I think sometimes theorizing and stuff can kind of lead people to get carried away. And I was doing it myself, you know, mm. and I realized week to week. And then I realized again when I went back to binge that it was tampering my experience with the show. So when I went back to binge it and I realized, look, this is just about a character who's depressed, creating a reality for her to live in a bubble. And when the story is just about that, I liked it. So I started to get a little bored with the outside world stuff you know with the 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 guy working for sword and the you know i i didn't care about that yeah villain-esque person um but i yeah. think you're blinded a bit by knowing too like from what you've just said there i think it's a case of because you are so knowledgeable about the content itself and because yeah. you have such an investment in that universe and knowing quite a lot about what's going on from my point of view of like being somebody who like viewed it Without 
without knowing about a lot of the, that backstory and a lot of the history of the characters and everything involved. Yeah. Like I wasn't looking for those things or waiting for them. So exactly. well, I, and I, I don't really sort of immerse myself in any of the fan theories or anything like that. So again, it was just like viewed pretty fresh from my eyes. Yeah. And uh, the only bit that did surprise me, actually, I managed to kind of form a pretty accurate guess about the way it was going to go with yeah. Wanda's side of things. But the bit that genuinely did come as a bit of a surprise for me um, was uh, when Agatha sort of revealed herself. Mm. And I don't know, I kind of, I sort of preferred her character before that revelation took place. Right, and yeah. for me, like when things started to get a bit witchy towards the end. Yeah. I don't know, like... It, got it became a bit, a bit cartoony. Yeah, yeah, a bit hokey, no pun intended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I thought the, the fight at the end, you know, with Agatha and um, and Wanda, I thought became a little cartoony, like touch and go, a little, you know, I, I didn't like all of it, but I do like that fantasy stuff anyway so i'm i'm all on board for the the witch mythology now and stuff you know i'm i'm the same i've got no problems yeah. with like magic stuff at all yeah. like I, i'm the same like i love fantasy and stuff like that but for me like i don't know Her I kind in of, particular like the, yeah, it, yeah it was what you was talking about about the conflicts like i get kind of tired with that same old depiction of like mm. where magical depictions of things on screen where you just have like two characters shooting brightly colored shite out of their hands at one <laughs> yeah. another yeah. and then the other person's got their brightly coloured shite heading towards yeah. them until the two balls of colours come together and merge <laughs> yeah. into one big colour and it's like please somebody think of a different way of depicting magic I in actually, a less tedious kind of way on screen like. I actually really <laughs> liked how the conflict was resolved at the end though like uh, so the whole process of the conflict I got a little like bored but then how it's resolved with her putting the runes up around mm -hmm. the, the yeah, world. I thought that, that was quite cool, you know? Um, yeah. And I think they can play a lot with that. Obviously, I know what's coming next vaguely with Doctor Strange. Like she, Elizabeth Olsen, is now going to be the co-lead in that film. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to digging into that side of things. And I'm sure that film is going to be leaning more towards the big bombastic kind of stuff that I find fun anyway. But yeah, I do. I completely agree. I completely is agree. That is that stuff? Um, I was curious. Is that stuff in the comic? Is that witchy sort of aspect of it and that yeah, side oh. of things pretty dominant in the comic, is it? Yeah. It's much heavier. Much, much okay. heavier. So okay. there's a storyline kind of that was... What I like as well is that they take elements of different storylines and they mould it to fit what the story... What it is the story they're telling in the in the films, you know? So, like, there's mm -hmm. one storyline, House of M, it's called, which Wanda loses um, vision, loses some of the Avengers. She goes crazy and um, she creates a new reality. But it, it isn't just a bubble. She changed the entire reality of, like, the world. And it's pretty mm -hmm. cool. Um, and she creates her children. And then, like, Professor X and Magneto, who fans were hoping would show up in the show, but... I was a bit like, I don't know if they should because it'll take focus away, you know. But they have to go and kind of tell her to put the world back. And there's a very famous like quote that she has in that comic that's just, just no more mutants. And then she gets rid of the mutant gene completely just with this, like a snap of her fingers. And mm -hmm. Agatha Harkness is like her mentor in that book. Eventually she dies, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but yeah, they kind of, 
it, it goes much heavier into the magic-y kind of things and in, in those kind of stuff. But I did want to mention as well, there's one book that I think you should read, and it's just called The Vision, written by Tom King. And it is about Vision, who basically creates a family for himself of androids, and he wants to be human. So he moves them to a real suburban American town, and he starts working for the CIA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... uh it's brilliant. And they have a little dog called Sparky who was in the the uh, show okay. for at least an episode anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and the vibe of that book is exactly the vibe of the show. And I, it's, it's a fantastic book. It's very, very well written as well. It's very tragic and kind of poetic. But um, that's more, it, it was more the vibe okay. of those books that I loved seeing on screen rather than the actual events. Whereas I think some fans were looking for those yeah actual big events you know they were they were speculating the no more mutants line would be changed to her creating the mutant gene and that's how they bring the x-men in all this kind of Mm -hmm. big stuff you know and now retrospectively i'm glad that they didn't go there i'm glad that they just kept this story the way it is you know can you clarify a little bit of that for me because i was a bit confused by like i wasn't confused but i'm just curious there was one moment where it was a brilliant moment. It's when mm. um, it's when kind of like the illusion sort of gates are closing off and like everything's moving towards the house and then the, they have a little moment together and she's talking mm. to him and she says a line. So it's something about, pardon my ignorance, ignorance now, sorry with this, because like, I'm sure uh. massive fans of this will listen to me and think, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. But <laughs> it's the bit where uh, she was mentioning about how he, there's a line that sort of implies that somehow he is a construction of a part of the Infinity Stone that's in her yeah. and sort of he is the embodiment of her love and her sort of grief made flesh. Yeah. Like that she created him. Like, But I was yeah. a bit I was a bit uncertain about that line. I was like, what's being implied here? Like, is she... she totally created him from scratch. Right, okay, yeah. So that's yeah. what I was thinking was being said, but I just wasn't 100%. But he's um, a construct of her basically and um, mm-hmm. she he like the one that the vision that she created was just her kind of rosy picture of him and she does yeah. that in the books with her kids mm-hmm. um and i think at the end there's a little post credit scene at the end of one division where seemingly her kids are trapped in a void somewhere and she's going to try magic them out into the real world or something i don't know i saw that at the end at the end credit sequence yeah i noticed that bit so i think that's because her kids are they do actually survive in the world in the books and they're actual they're in the young avengers Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is a totally new team but um yeah so i do i i I do like that they they use that kind of source those source material elements to fit the story that they tell on screen you know mm-hmm. but yeah i i loved going back to her origin and getting you know true flashbacks not really an origin story but definitely informing us on who this woman is because up until now we we know that oh yeah she was experimented on with the mind stone and she got her powers and she's from Sokovia that's all we knew really but I just loved learning and you know actually caring about this character for once you know because like it's 
it's no secret that I'm totally invested in this universe and these movies. And even if they're, even if a certain entry is fairly mediocre, I'm still going to have a great time with it, you know? But of course, I'm not blind to the shit that comes out of it, you know? But yeah, I enjoy when they really do push the boat out and, and you can see it now with them taking a bit, a few more risks with things, you know? They first mm-hmm. did it with Guardians of the Galaxy, I think, because th- those characters were so obscure, I didn't know them, <laughs> that they can start ever so slightly pushing the boat out, you know? And I, and I do enjoy that. But yeah, I don't know. What th- what did you think of the, the kind of the last 20 minutes? Because some of it I got a little bit bored, like we were saying, with the with the fight and stuff. Did you think it wrapped up nicely? Uh yeah, like say the the fight side of it, like say I kind of I'd started to lose a bit of interest by then. But yeah, I don't know the way it sort of closed itself off. I'm trying to remember what were the last few scenes of it like after that point. What would what was basically going on? like I watched it the other day and I still can't quite remember. Yeah, like the she she lets everybody in this town go back to the way they were. We realize, you know, she's been basically mentally controlling this entire town of people Mm -hmm. and she just kind of walks away and goes to live in the mountains somewhere for a little while and really delve into her magic which i thought was cool i thought that was cool yeah so i think i thought it was weird that they just kind of let her get away with it in the end and that she is the ultimate villain of this story but Uh it's not as simple as that so i i really liked that and I think, obviously, with, you know, things to come, I think they'll play with that. And I think, you know, she will kind of be the villain for the Doctor Strange film, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they go, if they if they full on go for that now, now that they've made us care about her, but she did really bad things in this show, they should go with that, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I did. I, re- I really, uh, really enjoyed it. So, Dino, what else was on the uh, the menu this week? Uh, yeah. So to keep things Disney Plus in theme, mm-hmm. I uh, I did watch a string of things that I was kind of just binging on, which uh, is quite fun, slightly cheesy, but interesting at the same time. Documentary series all about each decade. So I ended up watching one about the eighties and the nineties, and then. 2000s but I'm not going to talk about them because <laughs> um, <laughs> they're totally like sort of those are things to watch if you just want to switch your brain off chill yeah. out and just you know it's, it's that type of television but uh since I'd watched those it suggested something else to me and this is kind of in the national geographic side of the channel right um of the streaming service sorry and it was a show called Valley of the Boom okay which is a six-part docu-series I think from 2019 and considering I've got you to watch Halt and Catch Fire Mm. recently enough it's interesting that though this was made afterwards it actually covers some pretty familiar territory with that show but more strictly kind of based on real events in a way it's a shame really you haven't seen this before you watch some of the seasons of the show (laughs) because it would actually provide a little bit of context into the real world history of like some of the aspects that show is influenced by actually but the docuseries anyway so it tells the story of the early 1990s internet boom Mm -hmm. from the perspective of three different sets of real life companies 
and individuals. So you've got the company Netscape, who are entering the coin sort of the browser wars with Microsoft at the time. And then you've got uh, the next group of people are uh, new, this new start company called theglobe.com, mm-hmm. who sort of have ambitions of a vision of the internet that sort of precurses something like the social media ideas that later companies like Facebook sort of explore right and then the third storyline is to do with uh the company pixelon who were an online video streaming platform that was run by this really charismatic con man um, okay so you've got like those different threads running through and then they're interviewing the people involved but then uh what sort of made it stand out quite a lot is despite all of that it's made in a way where it's equally as much of a movie as it is a documentary with the reenactments because you've got right, okay. um, a really really great cast involved and they've paid as much attention to doing those reenactments as they have like the construction of the documentary itself and like the interviews as well have you ever um, seen american animals i have yes is it a yes, little bit like good. is it a little bit like that yeah yeah the there's a certain aspect of yeah. yeah i think i think there's some twatty marketing term for them or so they come call them they come like hybrid shows or something Do they? <laughs> yeah i think they call it a hybrid documentary or something i'm right. sure i read that online the ones but uh yeah so it's got those two sort of elements side by side um and the movie side of it kind of feels to me a lot like you're watching something like the big short oh yeah okay yeah so where you've kind of got i don't know guess like pretty hard to grasp dull subject matter but it's dealt with in this really fun entertaining mm. kind of way but yeah similar to halt and catch fire yeah it kind of does that thing where it makes tech seem a lot sexier than it is in reality <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um, definitely but it, it kind of it it works really well with this though because they kind of mix that together with interviews of the people involved and it all balances out um really nicely because of that so you've still got you've got like a mixture of the really entertaining stuff but you've also got these moving factual moments that sort of juxtapose that and balance it out in a yeah in an interesting way yeah yeah i don't know it's cool the the cast they you've got steve zahn who is a this like i said he plays the this con man figure called michael fane Right. He's really weird. He's got like this odd cartoony kind of appearance with like this bleach blonde hair and he wears a fat suit. And uh, Is Dave Zahn the guy from, uh, I think he was in the last Planet of the Apes film. Yeah, he's in Out of Sight as well. Uh, yes. There's like a few Steven Soderbergh films he's yeah. been in and he stands out quite yeah. a lot. He's great. He's uh, cool, yeah, I like him. Yeah, he's brilliant. It, like the the persona of this character that he plays, he's I don't know, like I say, he's really slick. He almost comes across like this sort of like evangelist of tech in a way. <laughs> and he wears these really flamboyant sort of white suits and stuff, and he's uh he's really charming. But then at the same time, there's this really weird undercurrent, sorry, of like this slightly sinister yeah. side of his personality going on. I guess a um, little bit like Joe in in Hall and Catch Fire. Yeah, yeah, a, actually, a good to take it back to that salesman, but. You yeah, know. this guy's hundred percent a bullshit artist. Yeah, though. he's a, <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a he's a snake oil sort of salesman type. Yeah, um, but it's mad when you kind of like just see how far he manages to take that and convince people of this lie and keep it going and form a whole company around it and just get investors spending <laughs> millions, like and celebrities getting involved, like yeah. and to, to the point where like he doesn't actually have a product that he can. <laughs> and it's true. That story. He can sell. Yeah, 
Yeah, cool. it's mad. Like okay. he doesn't actually, he doesn't actually have the technology that he states he has at any stage, but That's he manages right. to get all these people involved. Like it's it's crazy. Um, I must watch that now. Actually, yeah, yeah, it's cool. The other, I think you'll actually like the fact that there's a cast member in it that you'll know from New Girl. It's a uh, what's his name, Lamorne Morris, is it? Oh, Lamorne Morris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. He's brilliant. He steals it for me because he he's like this fictional stockbroker character who invests in some of the companies. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know, they kind of use him really playfully in the documentary as like he's a guide for the audience. So he like breaks right. the fourth wall and talks to the camera at times and he kind of lets you in on things that are I happening enjoy. and then cuts you between scenes and stuff and he's brilliant at it. It's so yeah. good. I enjoy when shows do that, when they deal with concepts that m- maybe not everybody would be familiar with. So like, mm-hmm. you know in House of Cards when they get Frank to talk to the camera and it feels exposition-y but it does it in a way that it brings you along it's a very clever way to do exposition you know especially if you're dealing with kind of complex topics like in House of Cards it's, you know advanced politics and mm-hmm. you know stuff that maybe not everybody would, would know you know not everybody would know what a, a house whip is in the in in politics but i do now because frank knows you know yeah uh but yeah it's it's i feel um sometimes i'm missing that in halt and catch fire because Mm -hmm. i don't know what it is that they're now upset about (laughs) you (laughs) know all i know is that they're upset and i want to see how they get not upset (laughs) (laughs) yeah that makes sense like with with this like the way they do those moments like i don't know like say it's it's really it's really playfully done i i appreciate the fact that i'm sure people who are really knowledgeable about the subject matter and really Mm. know their in their history about tech and you know like people who are coders and people who actually have a proper understanding of what's been spoken about on screen would probably watch some of this and sort of roll their eyes a bit and be like oh come on like but what (laughs) What I liked about it is it manages to really smartly take things and communicate them in a way that's still entertaining to view. Like there's one scene in it where there's this, what comes across as a pretty ridiculous sort of um, airsoft kind of like gun battle, right. like a Nerf gun battle between so airsoft. Listen to me, that'd be pretty dangerous. Um, <laughs> no, this like Nerf gun sort of battle between the programmers in a scene back and forth and it's shot in this way that like it makes a little nod towards John Woo or something and it's it's a silly moment and it's a fun moment to watch but it's a smart moment because it's actually showing later the conflict between two members of staff with the heads of the company and how they will eventually come at loggerheads with one another later on in the plot so dramatically it's significant and the scene's in there for a reason it's not just in there to imply that like the guys that make this technology will just sit around having gunfights with one another it's like the scene is a dramatized version of an aspect of working in those places that's completely heightened and ridiculous but it's not it doesn't do it for the sake of just doing it it's actually got a purpose to the story as well like it's so it does a lot of things like that with it that i thought were really that was a really fun way of doing something instead of just literally just cutting to somebody in being interviewed and just saying like, oh yeah and, uh, yeah and then this happened and we merged with so-and-so which would have just been boring to watch so it makes it a bit more dynamic like that's what i found with something like american animals it makes it dynamic so that when you have to mm-hmm. sit down and interview someone which could be potentially quite boring um yeah. intercut it with something a bit more creative and yeah you're you're just kind of always on your toes then with it so yeah. yeah, sounds good. I do. I kind of want to watch that now, yeah. 
Yeah, there's actually there's there's quite a few little gems like that buried in the National Geographic side of Disney cool. Plus. I've started exploring it a lot more, and uh, it's some of it's hard to get hold of because it's not it's not necessarily on the suggested yeah. side. But the minute you watch one interesting thing, it will suggest something that you would have to keyword search to find in the first place because yeah. it's not even available. Some of them weren't even available in the the overall listings on the menu screen. Yeah. I had to like keyword search to find a thing that just wouldn't you wouldn't be able to find it on the platform but I like the addition of this star thing so it's essentially what's mm-hmm. gonna be Hulu for Europe basically or outside of America until yeah. we do eventually get Hulu because I think they're gonna add it but this star edition now I was flicking through it the other day it's it's actually got some cool stuff on it you know like they because they own everything from Fox now <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which I just I keep remembering what disney own now and there's actually quite a a lot of stuff on disney plus that i i don't realize because off the bat i just think oh yeah they own obviously the animated films and the disney movies and now they own star wars and now they also own marvel so it's going to be all that but yeah i I would advise people to flick through the star section and uh, there's some cool series and stuff on there from like fox and whatever and some of their some of their own exclusives as well aren't they there's one called next or something that i saw yeah. come up and it says that's a star show as well produced yeah. by them so there's some of their own content in there as well that looks yeah. quite interesting um so i know we were mentioning earlier that uh, we were doing a bit of a Disney Plus wrap up, but I don't think that we can go a show without talking about an Amazon Prime <laughs> property. I don't think we can, huh? right? We're, in- we're incapable of that. <laughs> so, what we're going to discuss now, I'm going to ask maybe just a little couple of questions or something. Just so Invincible, right? Now, if people don't know, Invincible is an adaptation of a very long comic book series written by the creator of The Walking Dead, Robert Kirkman. Um, So I would like to know if the first Mm -hmm. three episodes of Invincible were good, in your opinion. Okay. And um, what do you think of the animation style? Because for me, from the trailers, I'm not a huge fan of it. So... What do you think? Okay. Yeah, I might get to that. Yeah, so what are my thoughts? Um, I thought it was good fun in all honesty. Yeah. So I've watched the first three episodes and the voice acting is great. Cool. You've got, uh, who you got in the cast? You've got J.K. Simmons, yep. Stephen Yen, Sandra O, oh, Walton Goggins, yeah. Seth Rogen. Like, it's a brilliant cast. Uh, and they all do a really good job uh, with that side of things. And the dialogue was really fun and engaging. Mm-hmm. But what you've mentioned there, the bit that's letting it down for me a little bit is the visual style, which is clearly influenced by Japanese anime. Ah, uh, yes. But and, and but and that's that's by no means me having an issue with that as a visual style. It's more for me that the anime falls more into the category of like the clunky kind of Saturday morning cartoons like Dragon Ball Z. Yeah than it does the kind of artistry and attention to detail of something like Studio Ghibli. Yeah. Like it's, that's possibly a hang up of mine, but I know that those types of styles, the style of those sort of shows is very popular. 
but for me, they always felt like they were cutting a few corners in the animation side of things. So you end up with this sort of staggered motion and cardboard cutout type of perspective to I'm, the visuals, which that's a choice. That's a stylistic mm. choice for some people. But to me, it feels rushed compared to, you know, like the greats, ever, like things like Akira and stuff yeah. like, you know, like where real attention to detail has gone into I'm willing forming to, the animation. I'm willing to bet you that... Super fans of Invincible are also super fans of Dragon Ball Z. I'm I'm, mm-hmm. I'm willing to bet that it's it's gonna be a hit with those fans. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I agree. Kind of like I've I've read the first two books of Invincible of twelve, <laughs> so I'm not mm-hmm. super far in the story yet myself. And I was gonna wait maybe to read the next few. Like they're not. It's it's not terribly um, long process to read these books. You know, I could read each book is twelve issues, and there's twelve, and there's 144 issues. So it's a 144 issue story, which sounds like a lot, but you can read an issue in about 15 minutes. We'll say, you know, maybe yeah. five if it's if there's not as much dialogue in the issue, you know. But yeah. like so far, it's kind of a tribute to Spider-Man, Superman, standard superhero comics, but with a bit of a few, with a few twists. And like, so as far as I know, it really pushes the boat out and gets crazy later. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't, I'd like to know what happens in the first three episodes, where roughly like where it kind of finishes off, just so that I know where in the story we are, because I haven't seen the episode. Okay, so where is it kind of ended? So you've, it's got as far, I mean, there will, I guess anyone listening, there's going to be spoilers, definitely. Mm. Uh, but so you've you've had it established that you understand that the father, who is like the Superman type of figure of the story, yep. that he is, well, so it ends brilliantly in the first episode where he kills the rest of the kind of like the That happens Avengers-y in episode type one. Of, it does, yeah. Right. So he kills the rest of the Avengers-y Justice yeah, League yeah. type of team of heroes. Okay. And he murders all of them at the end. So you're kind of like, you're thinking like, oh shit, because he doesn't speak at all during that scene as well. So yeah. you watch that thinking like, is this the same person? Is this, is he being controlled by something else? Is this a robot? What is this? I'm not sure. So it ends there. And then you get a bit more uh, time with the son, establishing his friendship with the new kind of young team of superheroes yeah. who are forming themselves to kind of replace the other team. And he's discovering his powers a bit more. But then you've got this alien race that are coming in through these portals and invading. Okay, yeah. And right. there's a moment in the third episode i think where they're fighting those and the father goes into the portal and you there's a funny line by the mother who's sort of saying like oh we'll be back before breakfast kind of thing if he's fighting an aliens in another dimension like that's just a typical tuesday or something but then it cuts to showing him like just going berserk and just destroying like full-on genocide (laughs) towards all the aliens on their planet so it pretty pretty much answers the questions there about like is this just genuinely who he really is that's pretty much answered in that scene there as well so you're a bit like oh fuck okay so uh dad is a full-on psycho right um (laughs) so they've kind of those first three episodes at least sound to me that they've covered the first book right okay basically like it's it's a bit more fleshed out in the book but yeah that's 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 cool they're they seem Mm -hmm. to be uh moving quite quickly maybe things will kind of 
deviate a bit i because I, I like when adaptations deviate because then you have two yeah. versions of a similar story you know so yeah it cool. got me really really invested like immediately like i'm cool. uh, especially i mean that it hooked me in on that first episode totally and then i really wanted to know what happened for the the next two episodes yeah. and by the time the third episode was finished i was itching to carry on watching it and i wish i wish i could have just binge the whole lot like i was really really enjoying it i do know that robert um, kirkman is involved like he's in he's it's it's like he is yeah he has a company called skybound and i think they do they they run basically um um they have a tv wing basically for adaptations of his stuff um mm-hmm. and his dialogue is so snappy and the way he constructs his stories, you finish one chapter and you just need to keep going. So yeah, I hope that the the show is a bit like that. It's a, it's kinetic, is the word I'm looking for. Definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely plays that way. Uh, I don't, and I, I don't mean to kind of like annoy anybody. Like I didn't want that first bit to come across like me sounding like I'm somebody who's not a fan of like the like anime just in general and all that taste. sort of stuff it's it's I'm, I'm by all means i'm i'm not really that it's like i i would have grown up years back as a kid like the bravo used to show a lot of the like the sort of manga animations that manga studios like used to they'd show a lot of the the really sort of early stuff like fist of the north star and sort of mm. monster city and uh ninja scroll and kind of all that type of stuff yeah. like i would have grown up watching that stuff and i really enjoyed that and i've grown up over the years like keeping an eye on certain aspects of Japanese animation and being a really big fan. But yeah. I wouldn't consider myself like a super fanboy of the style of it just for the sake of it, where people yeah. just consume everything that's available. <laughs> and I think some of it's a bit weak, like s- some of it's weaker than other things. And to me, like the visual approach of this show is making a few more nods to the stuff that for me is the weaker side of right. the visual style of that form of animation. And I kind of wish that if they did approach it in that way, it was done slightly differently in a stylistic sense. Like, and, and to me, that lets the overall thing down a little bit. But it's that's one, my hang-up. Probably not. At least say a lot of people are probably going to watch this and lap it up and absolutely yeah. love that style about the show. See, I, I, the one thing that has kind of put me off watching it straight away because I would have sat down to watch it straight away is the visual style of it. I, it, I feel like I'm gonna be a bit detached from it, but. If the writing is top notch, then I'll, I think don't think it matters. I'll yeah, get over the it, case. You know? I think you will because, like, I say the 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 writing and the voice acting and just and it's and it's nice also for a Western thing to actually see an animation, yeah, with some pretty shocking kind of like like graphic content in Absolutely. it at times as well. That's like you know it was like oh I don't get to see that on TV very often, and it's it's refreshing to actually get that mm. that kind of like. Uh, I don't want to say that it's like adult subject matter just because it's violence because that's you know a bit silly like gratuitous but yeah it's uh it's just it's just different to see that type of thing on screen it doesn't happen very often it used to happen every now and again like yeah. in the 90s you'd have a few shows that do that type of thing but I guess unless you're going to watch Adult Swim or something you're not really yeah. going to come across that type of stuff yeah. on big mainstream platforms which yeah. is the book enjoyable. is the, the book is the same as well and I think it's why a lot of people gravitate towards the book so Kirkman wanted to write his own superhero book without the constraints mm-hmm. of having to write to a status quo to for for one of the big two. So he published the book with Image, which is a, obviously the it's a creator owned and run publisher. So they do what they want. Um, so the whole idea of this show is to have a superhero show with a mythology, with a with no strings, no hindrances. Uh, really 
Um, he obviously still works with an editor, but you know, mm-hmm. and it has a definitive ending and it has changing characters and consequences and death and mature themes as well. So, so as I've heard, like the book grows, like the, you know, the character grows up with the book. So the book kind of matures as you go along. Um, yeah. Which I'm, I'm looking forward to reading. Like the first two books were a lot of fun. It was a, and some great twists. He's great at peppering in twists just to keep you turning the page, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Like the twist with the with the father. It's it's not a major spoiler. It's kind of, it's just in the first book. It's kind of the ending of the first book that yeah. he kills everyone. And you're like, oh my God, was that him? Was that it? And then you keep reading and you find out, wow, there's, <laughs> he's, he's like Hitler. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, there's some great. Uh, if that's where kind of they've left off the first three episodes, there's some great scenes to come between the father and the son, and mm-hmm. yeah, I'll give that a watch now. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, yeah, I also really enjoyed that, and actually, I've just thought with it being Robert Kirkman, you, uh, um, just to let you know, I'm yeah. still in the process of uh, of really enjoying Outcast. Very cool, and kind of working through that at the moment. So, um, and I've got that on the cards. Maybe for a future I, episode roundup. I had an idea for this. So whenever you're finished and whenever I'm finished with Halt and Catch Fire, um, there was a TV show adaptation that had two seasons. I noticed, yeah. For Outcast. And apparently it was good, but not many people watched it. So mm-hmm. it got the axe. But I was thinking, do you want to both watch it at the same time and then do a show? We could, yeah. We could do a show on it, you know, because I, lo- yeah, I love the book. Fun. Um, yeah, definitely. So yeah, we could do that. I think that'd yeah. be a cool idea. Oh, we'll be. That's not. We don't want to set ourselves up for a fall. We might enjoy it so much, but then be gutted that we <laughs> we don't have any more of it to watch. Ah, sure. Look, <laughs> then uh, we'll still have things to talk about. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> but anyway, I think that could okay. be um, cool then for the next next few weeks. We might have something to look forward to down the road then. All right then. Well, thanks everybody for listening again. The usual. The blurb at the end, the please the, like the show, do your review homework. the show, yeah. <laughs> do your homework, pass on pass on the show to other people. By all means, we want to get as many listeners as we can, if possible. And yeah, if you're feeling really generous, you can follow the link in, in the description, sorry, uh, where you can donate as well. But yeah, give us by money. all means, if you can, just more than that, please <laughs> spread the word and yeah. give us some extra listeners to the show. If you're enjoying it, then tell somebody else about it. That's the Follow best thing Follow on the interwebs, do. on the Spotify's, on the red circles. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. Thanks, everybody. Thanks again. Bye-bye.